How are you feeling about today's race plan? Fine. My race plan is just to run it as an easy run. I don't really have a race plan. What about you? I feel a little nervous because I, I, I'm not proud of the way that I handle like the last third of the races that I do. I feel like I crap out. And that's been a feature of the last uh, last two or three years of my half marathons. So okay. So what did we talk about last night, though, about the end of races? That if you're not hurting, then you're not racing. And if you're not willing to hurt, you might as well just be doing an easy jog around your neighborhood. So you're gonna be willing once it starts getting uncomfortable to greet it and accept it and run through it, right? Maybe, I don't know. We'll see what mental tool shows up and works for you at the end of the race. I think just talking about it is helpful and knowing that it's it's gonna get hard and it's always been hard. And one thing, I've been training in the hills almost exclusively pretty significant hills at the Warner Parks and this race has some hills but is mostly flat. I would say the last two miles of this frostbite race is flat. And so I I think that's definitely in my favor. Um, So the other thing is that there's you should always be depleted at the end of a race, no matter the distance, no matter the elevation of the course. So, so the, the work is not to game it to make it easy. You should always be running to your edge, and the fitter you get, your, the farther out your edge might be, your edge of fitness, like the capacity of this is truly the most I can do and still cross this finish line. That line always moves, but the the pain and discomfort and will power and self-talk that it takes to greet that edge and stay on it through the finish line that it never changes you just your capacity might change but the pain and guts that it takes to continue to work hard and not say you know what this hurts too much I'm just going to drop down to a shuffle and get across the finish line and that's that's a fine and valid approach if that's what's in you but you but I find more satisfaction in racing as a as a practice and as a thing I do um, when you, I push you, into that. That's really helpful. Are you are you doing like a mantra or some sort of like breathing or anything at the end of a race that you can recall? I typically do have some kind of a chant, but it's different every time. It's different every run. So, for instance, this week I was doing 400 meter repeats and. I'm supposed to go in this certain pace window and no faster. It is within my ability to go faster, but that's not the point of the workout. Um, And so my chant about halfway through the repeats as they continued to be much faster than they were supposed to be, what I was just, don't go too fast, don't go too fast, don't go too fast. So that's an example of how, depending on the day and the moment and whatever I'm going through, the mantra comes to me and it's different but I do typically have a four five six word phrase that I chant that just comes to me um I 
the last year. That was my big battle for 2019. And I tend to run up and forward versus like more hinged at the hip and with my posterior muscles. And so sometimes the chant will be run with your butt, run with yeah. your butt. If my knees start hurting, will be like that's the kind of thing that will pop into my mind so yes I do typically get a chant but it's not a single thing that I go back to let me I know it sounds like I'm being silly but I'm actually not like the run with your butt thing is that like I'm just imagining myself running here as I as I drive <laughs> but is that like pushing your hips forward a bit no no for me it's the sensation of sitting a little bit a little bit usually I start running as we all do, like from a perfect stance. But I think that, that that makes my knees a little bit more extended. I just want to get more bend at my hip and my knee. So like, to me, it's more the feeling of sit a little, sit a little bit, like just drop your hips like an inch lower in like my latitude. Drop my center of gravity just a smidge. And that helps me get into bigger muscles and not um, run so forward where it feels like my knees and my quads and my hip flexors are always like bracing against my forward motion. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's just the sensation that I feel. Well, that's really helpful. Some of what I've learned is, especially over the long runs I've done in the month that just passed in January, is I know I, I, what you're saying about kind of your your body absorbing sort of the road in the same way over many miles I know that that's some of the cause of my um, attrition of energy and and performance on these half marathons and um, I think a strategy of like you're saying maybe this sitting a bit more or maybe just thinking about my posture a bit more uh, and, and I think pulling, you tell me, but like pulling my shoulders back a bit, is that a way of thinking about it? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That's just, not something I think about. Because one thing that happens when people, if you think of pulling your shoulders back, you're just going to be pinching your rhomboids and sending a lot of excess energy to this one muscle contraction in your upper back yeah. that's not actually serving you. You don't want to spend more energy, but you can think about alignment and alignment like where your skeleton is organized in space can be very passive. It doesn't need to require more muscles clenching and contracting and tensing to be in alignment. You can find a place that's got like a nice aplomb and a nice lift in the torso, but a nice drop in the hip without clenching a bunch of muscles. Um, one of the things you said earlier is that you will be listening to an audiobook during some or even most of this race. Probably all. <laughs> and um, could you identify the genre of, and even the book if you remember it, uh, of what you'll be listening to? Oh, Murder Mystery. I always <laughs> listen to Murder Mysteries. Um, it takes me two to three days to get through one on audiobook. I always check them out from the Nashville Public Library via the Libby app. And, um, yeah, so I go through, like, three books a week. Um, and I listen to them on runs. And sometimes at my desk, if I'm doing work that I can process while also 
like listening and and working not to not if I'm doing a ton of critical thinking but um lately I recently stumbled upon an author Laura Lipman who um I wouldn't say her characters are very fleshed out like they're they're every book so far has had a different protagonist a different female protagonist I always like a female protagonist and there I wouldn't say that they have radically unique personalities the backstory she gives them is unique different family life and religious circumstances but point is it's a murder mystery with a little bit of a familial element um it's not just straight police procedural we've had a journalist a private investigator um who a, a different journalist anyway and they're also in baltimore and i enjoy that let me um let me just is some of the benefit of listening to fiction can you just talk about what benefit you experience of doing that while you're exercising perhaps and and not listening to music um well I listen to a lot of nonfiction often but usually in the podcast format I just haven't really been in the mood I I like to get if I'm doing a long run like today will be over two hours I don't I don't have the patience to stop and change what I'm listening to. So even if I am listening to a podcast, I will get my playlist really set up. So um, a couple of the ones I really like, one is called Dig, a history podcast. It's a rotating panel of four historians who talk on things in their specific interests. So a lot of colonial era, race relations, gender dynamic, reproductive history. Um, So I'll line up like, four episodes of dig in a row so that I I can't run out of content on my run. Another um, podcast I really like is Why Is This Happening by Chris Hayes. Um, But I I also really love this material and I'm often very caught up on it. So there's not, if, if a podcast is typically 45 to 50 minutes, I might only be two weeks behind. I won't always be able to stack enough podcasts in a row to fill the time that I need so I I don't have the patience to stop and pause Um, with music I really don't have patience for how it changes like I from one song to the next unless something has a very consistent feel I just like to be in one mood or one gear where it's kind of running on background I'm not. I'm not overly invested in what I'm listening to. I'm absorbing it. I don't know. I don't know. I, no, I'm tracking though that. I mean, ninety, eighty-five percent or something of my audio during runs is music. I would say, but we're we're experiencing that same uh, sort of glory of a great interview or a great you could say educational thing if it's like a podcast it's sort of educational in nature something that does in fact really take you out of hey my legs are feeling really bad um meanwhile you're thinking about you know the history of cashmere um 
it's a, it can be very fun and satisfying to have that deep stimulation of education or, or entertainment. Uh, so I, I think you've been, <laughs> I think you've been on the cutting edge a bit with, uh, for me, like listening to murder mystery business. I've never, I've tried that kind of thing. The thing with the thing with me about. Like, I really have to give a lot of attention on the front end of a book because they're going to set up a combination of characters and character relationships and setting and maybe some level of historical information. And that's it takes a fair amount of attention for me to absorb all that in my ears. You're, I think you're good. You're better than me at just really focusing your brain on fiction, I can, if, here's one thing I've noticed about myself, I can listen, I can read, I can read like the first quarter or a half even of a book or something that's fiction, and then switch over to audio, and I'm, boom, I'm right there, it all kind of fits in my brain without any uh, challenge. It does, it does help to, um, like, listen attentively for the first chapter or two to get the lay of the land and the main characters and see what's the plot set up and then you can be on cruise control but one thing I've observed about you in watching shows with you is that I feel like you don't trust yourself to understand what's going on <laughs> like yes. you you want to hear what was that line even if it's a throwaway line yeah. um, and the thing about very seldom is there a crime novel that's just so smart yeah. that I have to catch every detail. Yeah. And that's part of what I like about them is that my attention can float in and out. And then what I'm listening to can be in the foreground or the background and move back, fade back and forth to how closely I'm listening. And I won't miss anything too substantive. And even if I do, I trust myself to catch up with context clues later. Versus some of the podcasts where I really will. There's a couple episodes, of particularly of why why is this happening, that I've listened to multiple times. Partly because I found the content so compelling. Sometimes because yeah. it was so challenging, I didn't get it. You, the yeah. Kashmiri the episode. Kashmir one is like is like that. <laughs> um, and then other times because I'm like, gosh, that was so good. I'm sure I didn't absorb all of it. Let me start over from the beginning yeah. and make sure I really got every morsel of information that's interesting to me um. well like la like last night during the outsider on hbo which i you know you and i agreed it was quite good we're only two episodes in but there's there's a lot of very low like i would say like low volume audio between characters and there was one, and I, I know that I bug you when I do it. I just I I think something really important is being said, but it's I can't quite make out the diction, and maybe I have hearing loss. I don't know. But yeah, it was when in that one scene, and I'm not giving anything away. But <laughs> it was during the review of the two main characters or so. They were looking at a clip of like security footage of like the main character. And they ask, it was like, bubba da bubba da anger? And I was like, whoa, whoa, what was that? And you're like, they're saying, was he giving us the finger? 
And I, uh, I was like, I'm such an idiot. I've got to stop asking Tara <laughs> to translate these moments that are totally throwaway. No, uh, I don't want you to feel like an idiot, but I do. Look, I grew up on Murder, She Wrote and Matlock. This is my genre, man. Yeah. And so I just trust myself to catch up and yeah. fill in and I don't know. This, it, 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 you've, there is something to be said for trusting, just trusting the narrative to be, be generous. It's not going to be an ungenerous experience. If it's a good show, and we already had confirmation this was going to be a good show, I don't need to interrupt you. I don't need to, I don't need to break the fourth wall for you and ask you a question. But you, uh, you can if you feel like you need clarification. I will try to moderate my level of my level of. Uh, did you not hear that? Uh, it's not even an important line. Yeah, I'll try not to give you. I, <laughs> well, it's true. Um, well, we're about to get to our exit um, for Lebanon, Tennessee. It's the Cedars of Lebanon State Park. It's a good thing that the forecast for no rain. Yeah, there's a little bit of sprinkles. I think, actually, it's going to be... I mean, we're going super fast, and the rain is pretty slight, but it is a tiny bit of sprinkles. Okay. Um, Tara, good luck on your race today. Wait, final thought. We have to circle back to your race strategy. Well, I'm going to turn on... I have a pretty sweet music playlist that I've curated for several weeks and it's lined up for me and I will turn it on at mile 8 of 13 miles and it's kind of like I kind of tell myself my race doesn't actually start until that point uh, it's kind of a mental thing so it's a 5 mile race after 8 miles <laughs> and, um, and I'm really I'm just gonna you give me some good advice about kind of using my body in a non-shock kind of way by the last two miles, really kind of pushing sit, well I would say pushing my hips a little bit, but I, like having a, more of a sitting you know, concept so the last two miles I just really need to be mentally, not stressed, but just aware and probably some deep breaths and really let myself enjoy the race the last two miles, which are typically painful. Yeah, and don't um that's where you have to, speaking of trusting yourself, that's where you have to trust yourself. You think of the hardest thing you've done in your training, whether it's a speed workout at the track or nine mile hill on the 11-2. Like one thing when I am in a lot of pain or in a spot that's really testing my guts, I'll use some particularly miserable, painful running moment, like the Fort Smith Marathon, <laughs> as a reference point. And I'll be like, nope, still not as bad as Fort Smith. And that helps me dig and keep going. Um, and we're at our, I think we're at our exit. I think this is the exit. We get lost around 75% of the time. We've done this race many years. Anyway, um, yeah, good luck, Tara. Okay, have a good race. See you at the finish.
car heading back to Davidson County, leaving Wilson County. Tara, how did the race go for you? I had fun. It was a good day. If you had to break up, if you had to break up the race into any certain parts or chapters, was there kind of a, a thing and then a thing? Or um, I ran alone through about mile four, and then I fell in step with this lady, and we struck up a conversation. It turns out we know a lot of the same people, um, and we ran together till ten. 10 miles. Yeah, so 4 through wow. 10 together. That's a long time. Yeah, which my plan today was just, I was assigned 13 miles easy from my Runners Connect training plan. And so when I saw that was my assigned mileage for today, that's what made me choose to go ahead and sign up. You were already registered, and I thought, okay, well, I have to do 13 that day. Anyway, I'll do the frostbite with them. But I knew that it's really hard for me to just go easy when I'm in a race. Like I get competitive and I say, oh, I know it kind of throws me off and I might not be able to nail my times on my workouts next week. But right now, I have to pass this person. Yeah. And so I get really competitive and it could have easily been a faster race for me. <laughs> if, and, it, and it could have kind of stayed that way except that I fell in line with this lady, Trisha, and we had a really good time talking, and I told her the deal. She was in the same thing where she's just running it as a supported long, easy run today, and so we had a very lovely conversation, and it ended up having the same kind of conversational feel that my normal Saturday group run, like if I had gone to my normal Saturday group run, it would have felt not unlike <laughs> what today felt like. Uh, I really like that, and I think one of the things that happened was the the you know when you start a race you'd have no idea if you're exactly beside people that are the same speed as you or not and by mile probably by mile you, you said you guys started running together by mile four ish yeah um that's a that's a great time to just sort of naturally be beside someone what about what what um what pace was that do you think about about mile four we were 9.45 or so, and then at some point I told her that this was actually a little faster than I needed to be, and could we slow it down? So then we were down like 10.10. Um, but the other thing about why I even got to where she was, I'd started further back and was focused on going slow, but I have a couple of pet peeves at races, one of which is when people play their music like for everyone to hear. I think that's No headphones. No headphones. I think that they must think that it's supportive to the other runners. <laughs> I find it deeply intrusive. It is. And so not only was there a person listening to, like, Steely Dan or something. Oh, my gosh. Um, just allowed for everyone to hear, but he was also wooing and cheering everyone that we passed. And again, yeah. again. That might feel supportive to other people. I find it deeply intrusive. Yeah. Because the thing I love about running is that it helps me go inside and get very contemplative. And it's a moving meditation. It's great for someone with anxious tendencies to... Like, the footsteps occupy my racing thoughts, and it makes them not so frantic. And so it's definitely a meditative... It's a mental practice as much as a physical one. So... When people are being so exuberant and loud and puncturing my silence with their woos, I don't like that. So I thought, I got to get away from this guy. 
So I did my did a little interval, like so at about 3.2, 3.3, I just picked up the pace and I ran about 7:30 for like a half mile, wow, a little fast. little more than, just to get some distance from this guy. And then I knew that I could settle back. I would just get enough of a gap where I couldn't hear him, and that is what happened. And then not long after, um, the woman next to me struck up a conversation about. I don't even know what, and we didn't stop talking until mile 10 when I said, okay, I'm going to go back to my audio book now. It's been so wonderful talking to you, and hopefully I'll see you at the finish line. <laughs> I really like that, and I, I, I guess now is as good a time to announce, it's not even a problem, but um, Tara, Tara ran this race at a leisurely pace. I raced this race. Turns out, I raced it at a leisurely pace. <laughs> um, I will give my own race report. I wanted to not burn too hot in the first half plus of the race, and I kept it between 9.30. I kept the first couple miles about 9.30, 9.45, and then I even naturally just was like I don't it could have been a, there was some hills for sure in the first half um I let it go to 10 and Tara was behind me but not terribly far and uh then so and for me the race was really two main chunks the one, miles one through eight i and I think I mentioned this in the in the pregame. I really just wanted to to keep a balanced race, not burn hot and not run fast. Just keep myself stable. Miles one through eight. I felt like I did that. <laughs> and then when I when I tried to go into a higher gear, and also in my light is when I finally plugged in my headphones and started listening to music. I, uh, I tried to go into a higher gear and I just never, I, to be honest, I just like, I, I think this is what I've got. And so then miles, miles eight through 10, I was probably around 10, 30 and 11 per mile. And then I probably had a one mile as slow as probably 12 and a half minutes per mile. And it was just before, it was probably around mile nine and a half that a very lovely runner, Tara, came up from behind. And I kind of knew she was getting closer. And she, and you were, well, it actually, this is perfect. It's, it's, it goes with your story of you ran with um, Tr Trisha. You ran with Trisha up through Maltangas. You guys came up from behind me. And I kept, there's definitely, a, there was a little bit of a pride issue. I was like, I've got to stay in front of these folks. But then there was a lot of hills in that part. Yeah. It was hilly in that part. And I could just feel my... <clears throat> I could feel my effort. It was... I was giving my effort. I was giving my all. I just couldn't convert that effort to speed. <laughs> um, and Trisha knew at some point, like a mile into us running together, I was like, can you see up there? <laughs> and it was like on a long stretch. There wasn't a hill. I was like, there's a guy who's wearing black and short sleeves, that's my husband. He's actually got a bit of a time goal today, so no matter what, we cannot catch up to him. <laughs> and if we do, we cannot catch up any sooner than 10 miles. Oh, okay. And 
like, and then, you know, maybe he and I can finish together. And so we would feel ourselves getting fast and she'd be like, oh, we have to slow back. Oh, getting no, too close. <laughs> no, 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 we no. We, we were in it together and we were rooting for you. But then at one stretch we could see you. I was like, oh no, he's looking back. He knows we're getting close. He knows we're gaining on him because you were looking over your shoulder and I could see it. Well, you guys are really kind and I think you know me well enough. I, I was not going to like throw a fit or something. Obviously, and it's, it's not, it's kind of like golf. It's not really even about everyone's just running their own race at the end of the day. I mean, unless you guys tried to trip me or something, <laughs> um, which did not happen. Um, so one thing that about, I just didn't want you to feel disappointed. I knew yeah. that the thing we talked about on the ride out that you didn't want to happen appeared to be happening. <laughs> Where you kind yeah. of burn out yeah. around mile eight. Like you, eight miles is a perfect distance for it you. It really is. Um, and and so I was worried that you were going to be frustrated or disappointed in that, in what, how it played out. I really appreciate that. I, I did, I did have a sense of this is not going exact, this is not going how you planned, Jeff. And... I, and I kept asking myself, what what is it that you... I, and I was like, I, I, I'm giving the effort I can give and I'm keeping I'm keeping the form I can keep. I can't... And, and all I can really point to is, you know, I didn't train at some sort of daily um, technical level. I trained at a sort of weekend warrior level and I and I would do the long runs on the weekends for a half marathon and I would do some I would do a few runs midweek and I would do some cross training <laughs> um I I guess I if I'm most honest I I trained at a sort of recreational half marathon level I didn't train at a technical level and that is what so my my finish time was 221 give or take a few two hours 21 minutes give or take a maybe a a minute possibly less time than that because I think that was the clock time and not not like the chip time but um anyway I but one thing I'll say is although my body was achy and fatigued I did feel I did feel no actual pain in, in the sense of it didn't have like a hip pinch or like I didn't have bad cramping I've had you know getting cramps in my calves for instance especially on a warm half marathon or hot that is a total thing for me I didn't have any of that today that's good so that felt good the, the, you said it when we were walking to the car after the race that today's temperature was maybe towards ideal. Yes. Oh, it was perfect. Um, it was overcast sky, 45 degrees, high, I would say high humidity. Um, yeah, it's damp. Just a sense of dampness. It's not my preference, but the 45 degrees is perfect. Yeah. Um, I wore, I was not planning on wearing any hat of any kind. I wore a thin knit cap, uh, and I was funny because I would, I wore, I, I could just feel my head getting a little sweaty and cold. Um, right, well, I, 
I, I wanted to keep my head, you know, you lose a lot of heat through your head. I wanted to keep my head warm. And I found, it was interesting, I found myself getting too hot occasionally. And then I would take off the knit cap and kind of tuck it under the belt that holds my cell phone, like a strappy belt thing. And I would pin it in there. And then, interestingly, like 30 minutes or so later, I'd be like, okay, I'm getting like almost like sweaty and cold feeling on my head. And I would put it back and then I would kind of reach a nice equilibrium again. Big point is I didn't, the hat thing is interesting to me. Uh, I think it was a feature of how humid the weather is that I sweat. Kind of a an unusual sweat out of my head today. <laughs> um, I would love to talk at length about that. I'm kidding. I think I'm done. Um, yeah. Uh, Tara, what is your next race? Oh, uh, the Country Music Marathon. You mean the half marathon? No. What is the date? April 27th. It's almost exactly... Two months away, right? Well, all Whoa. of February, all of March, all of February, uh, April. Most of April, yeah, yeah. three months away. <clears throat> That's so exciting. You did that race last year. Yeah. I remember last year, I mean, most years that race, I think, asks, whether half or especially full, I think that race asks... 110% of its participants. How are you? What is your mental feeling about the race as of today? Um, I mean, calm. I, I probably won't turn my attention to the race itself for a while, for another couple of months. Um, at the at the finish, I ran into my friend Stephen, whose wife Trisha I, I ran with most of the time, and um, he asked, What are you training for next? Stephen is a naturally gifted athlete and very competitive so for him if it's not like full Ironman that you're trying to place it's like you might yeah. as well be on the couch which is just he's just naturally gifted it's not yeah. normal yeah and um told him I'm doing the country music and I was like look I hate marathons I do not enjoy the marathon distance but I love the training I love that it's almost too much to fit in to your regular life yeah it takes a lot of discipline you know I take my nightly allergy medicine and a little sleep aid at 8 30 on the dot every night so I can be deeply asleep and stay that way no later than 10 o'clock so that I can wake up and run 90 minutes two hours and then put in a full busy non-stop work day and come home and do it again and I I get such a thrill about that cadence, that regular week, day in, day out, week in, week out cadence of being on the brink of not being able to fit it all in with marathon training. I, but if I, but then, but then I think, okay, well, if you love the training so much, why don't you just run that much without the race? <laughs> but if I don't have the race, yeah. I, you gotta have, it's too, it's yeah. just a little bit too hard to do merely for recreation. <laughs> Yeah. And so the thing that keeps me honest on a dark, cold Tuesday morning that I have to wake up and run six miles is that if I skimp on this training, I will not be prepared to gut it out on race day. Yeah. I do not want to be underprepared for a marathon. I have run a full marathon underprepared. It is wretchedly painful. The fr uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas last year, almost exactly a year ago. Um, and I 
The weather for that was so awful, though. You have to admit, the weather was so awful. Well, it was, and I had been on a Mexican beach drinking all day about three weeks prior to race day for a week, so that didn't help. That was my fault. It was supposed to be peak week, and I did like 10 miles total on a treadmill. <laughs> um, so, the, and, it, and it was an exceptionally hard course. My friend Catherine, who runs the Flying Monkey every year and lived in Fort Smith, which is why I did that race, and has also run the country music, said that... Uh, Fort Smith is closer to monkey and hardness than it is to country music. That wow. It goes monkey, Fort Smith, and then country music, but it's a distant third compared to those other two. So it was hard, it was 35 and sleeting, and I was very underprepared. So, yeah, what's my big point? My next race is country music, and I'm not really thinking about the race because I'm in it for the training, but I would never do the training if not for the race. <laughs> so there you have it. Many moons ago... When I was in my late 20s, I did, in, I'll just tell you, in 02 and 03, I was a full marathoner of that race. And it's, the course has changed a fair bit since then, but um, it's a great race. It was a great race almost 20 years ago, and uh, I will be cheering you on. I'm not sure it is a great race, um, <laughs> but I will say that... It's and, epic. I'm not even sure if it's that, but I'm, try I'm not trying to shoot you down and be contrarian. I was talking with my friend Camille. She had an amazing PR, an amazing day doing this full marathon on the greenways. It's like out and back a couple of times on Shelby Greenway in the fall. And she said, she said, I firmly believe the best place to do a marathon is your hometown. And and there's a thing about destination races, but I and I get the appeal. If I'm going to work this hard, I might as well get a vacation out of it. But um, I think the marathon is daunting enough without also travel logistics to worry about. You know, you wake up in your own bed and you don't have any jet lag or you haven't been up on an airplane or cramped in a car the day before. You're not worrying about what's getting left behind at work because you're taking time off work to go do this race. You don't have to worry about packing snacks to make sure that you have all the food that you like to have the night before or the morning of because you're in your own home. And think of, thinking about how peaceful my race morning was last year that you dropped me and two other friends off at the start line right yeah. at this. And there was no question. We yeah. were all longtime Nashvillians familiar with the traffic woes and knew how to game where to get us close to the start line. And I think the, for, for me, the travel logistics, um, not knowing a city, not knowing the best place to yeah. park or where to um, pick up and drop off, drop off when the start and finish lines aren't in the same place. Like, um, is country music wonderful? No. But is it... <laughs> With a ton of people. Is it in my hometown and familiar roads? Yeah. yeah. So that's what I like I, about it. I think... I think the country music offers a unique the the crowd support which I, I and I haven't run the half in several years. I run the half a good few times though and I've run the full like I said twice. And we're I mean we're at a point now where there's so many people that come out, both run the race and come out to the race. Uh it's when I say it's epic, I mean it is a t it is really something how many people come out and cheer 
and all these, you know, the bands, they may be annoying at times, but they're, they're, they're trying to be, it's supposed to be kind of a party with the bands and everything, every several miles there's more bands playing. Uh, it's quite an event. It's quite a show from a lot of perspectives. Maybe that doesn't, you know, I feel like I know you, Tara, that doesn't really matter to you, but it is, it's kind of exciting to me in that way. You're right, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I will say there were two times that I got emotional from the crowd support on the course last year. One oh, yeah. was coming up 12th South outside Edley's. Oh, yeah. I could feel the genuine like exuberance from the crowd for all the runners. Like I didn't that. know any of them, and they were so genuinely happy and proud. Yeah. I felt that they were proud of our effort, and that made me emotional. And then the next spot that got me emotional so that's around mile I don't know six five and a half yeah and then um around mile 11 in the gulch you go under Demumbrian and both underneath Demumbrian like creating a little tunnel as well as above the bridge with a gigantic sign hanging down is where East Nasty's running uh Uh, cheer station is yeah I like that and that's very emotional. I was wearing like a vintage East Nasty tank top. <laughs> I refuse to buy more. I have plenty. Um, and so, yeah, you recognize a handful of people, but then all you have to do is have those two words on your shirt and you'll get so many cheers and screams and it's very emotional. You're pumping me up. There's other options for me in half land. Is there a chance, though, you might be interested in registering for the Country Music Half? There is. It's it's so... It's so damn expensive. It is. It is that. Uh, I think it's... Correct me. I, if you told me that it was $125, I would be like, yep, that's what it costs. I um, think that's about what it is. Yeah. I mean, again, it's it's a real experience. I mean, the city, the city spends a ton of money to shut down roads and get the police involved and everything else. Uh, so you kind of get... You're running on, like fully dedicated roads just for you it's you know it's worth something to get all that uh there's a tom couple tom king's like in march yeah the february 29th february 29th so that's like a month from now i did that many years ago it's a good race uh it's flat it's good for prs it's also pretty risky weather wise like yeah i feel like if and when we get an ice storm yeah Tom King gets iced out more than it doesn't. That's not true. That's exaggerated. But I feel like it's... Uh, it's tricky. It's a, fa- it's a fast course if it's dry, but there's also a really good chance there'll be icy patches and you'll end up either wiping out or having to tiptoe. Yeah, I don't know about all that. There's other races that are options. Uh, even in Nashville, not quite as long, perhaps. There's probably some stuff happening in surrounding cities that I could look at. I got to say, I'm kind of with you, Tara. Doing the race that's in your hometown, it's not that much more. You're not going to have to travel or get a hotel room if you do if you do country music half. I'm halfway to doing the half. Uh, uh, I the 6.15 yes. mile distance. They there is join. a 6.15 distance this year. Get it? 6.15? Um... There's a lot to think about. Uh, my legs are starting to hurt. I'm thinking about doing... Do we have any Epsom salt stuff left? Sure do. I'm going to smell incredibly... Feminine? 
No. It's more like menthol. Yeah. It's like mint and orange. We're going to Zany's tonight to see a comic, Pete Holmes. And if I smelled like a giant piece of menthol, I think that's that'd be kind of fun. That's fine. That's fine. You know what's coming up is that Greenway half that you've done before. Greenway half. Ooh. You like that one. I think that one's in September. Well, I'm looking at something on oh. March 15th. Oh. Okay. At Two Rivers Parkway. Um, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. We have a lot of planning to do, but I really, I enjoyed running the race with you, and I think we had a good race. Yeah, we had a good race and a good morning. Oh, yeah. 